0: And now, Lord, we've come to the time in this service when we pause in your presence to examine the words of your book, the book of God. We thank you, O Lord, to bring us to one more occasion this side of eternity to open this book and glean from its pages. Help us this morning, O God, with open hearts and open minds to receive the fruit of the engrafted word, I pray, O oh God, for your help and your strength. I pray also, O God, for all of those that are sick today and are suffering. All of those, O oh Lord, that are wrestling with this pandemic. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would go to where they are. Touch them by your power and touch them by your might. You said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. You said in your word that all things are possible to people who believe. You said in your word, whatsoever things we ask in faith believing, you said, I will do it. God, you said, whatsoever things we loose on the earth, you'd loose in heaven. God, we know that you're the divine, sovereign, creator God. And you're in charge today of all things. You're in charge of this nation. You're in charge of this world. You're in charge of this service. You're in charge of my life. And I pray right now, oh God, that you would help us to ascend into your presence and feel the warmth of your love and your grace. Touch us today, O Lord, as we worship you in the preaching hour, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you, God. Turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. We're going to read just a small portion of a big context. God's people are created by God and set apart by God. And he said, forever I will have a people unto my name. The Bible said we were born to worship and be a blessing to the name of God. God created us. We're created beings and God has created us to be one thing. That's a blessing to our God and be a blessing and a worshiper of our God. In fact, the Bible said God feels so strongly about it that he is a jealous God. And he says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Amen. Amen. He feels very strongly about that. So you might say that we're monotheistic. That's a seminary term and that's a theological term where it says you got one God. Monotheistic, not polytheistic, but monotheistic. Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. And God has a people that he desires to be one people. Yes, he does. And he loves every one of his people. Sometimes he chastises his people because he loves them. You know, there's a book out by Shuler several years ago that uh, love must be tough. Well, love just doesn't allow you to do anything you want to do. And love doesn't allow you to break church covenants and just ignore the warnings of Scripture and the uh, messages the Lord sends. Uh, that's, not, that's not love. Anyone that would trick you and deceive you does not love you. Anyone that would lead you down a false trail and cause you to deter from walking in the straight and the narrow way that we see that re- leads to life eternal and life everlasting, anyone that would attempt to pull you apart from that that person is your enemy, and that person should not be followed. Don't follow anyone away from the Bible. I had a man I was discussing the scriptures with the other day, and he said, "I have a Holy Ghost that the it and the Word of God do not agree." And I looked at him in my weirdest way. I said. Well, I don't know what ghost you've got, but it's not the Holy Ghost. You must have a ghost of some kind that you think is the Holy Spirit, but I want to tell you that's not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote the book. Amen. Your Holy Spirit, the Bible said, moved upon uh, holy men and they spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Amen. He is the author of the Word of God. It's God-breathed. That means the breath of God has breathed His Word. Amen. And we believe it to be infallible, and we feel that it is eternal, everlasting, and we believe that it's necessary for salvation, that the Word of God, the gospel, is that pricking at our heart to bring about conviction in our heart. And God has so many times had to use that tool so He could save His people. Well... We know about uh, all that happened in the garden. We know about Noah, we know about all of those things. The Bible said that there was a family. It was called Abraham's family. And Abraham's family was really blessed of God. I've preached a lot of sermons about Abram, who later became Abraham. But there came a time when Joseph was sold into Egypt, and there came a time when the patriarchal system faltered and, and failed, And there came a new day, a change. How many know that change sometimes is difficult? Amen. I can just say this. At harvest, change is difficult. Amen. Anytime we change something, we've always got a a problem of some kind. We work it out the best way we can. When God's people did depart from him and departed from his way, the Bible said that they went down into Egypt because they were hungry. They were hungry. I want to tell you, the basic human condition is it's good for you to get hungry. If you're hungry, pat yourself on the back. That's good. That means the systems are working. Amen. Now, what you hungry? how you do about that hunger, I don't know if you should eat cake and pie and, and uh, fudge cookies and all that stuff. You've got to deal with your own hunger. But... It's okay to be hungry. But these people had nothing else to eat in Canaan. And the Bible said that the patriarch, Jacob, sent his boys down to Egypt to buy bread. Now that's strange that where God called them and God promised to give them became a place that had no food. Sometimes in order to get you to move, God will let the stream dry up and let the ravens quit bringing you bread. Sometimes in order to move you and get you going, God will dry up the stream and He'll cut off the food supply. There won't be any oil in the cruise and there won't be any meal in the barrel. Sometimes to get us going, God has to do drastic things because sometimes we're hard to get going. Sometimes it's difficult to get us up. To get us up is the biggest challenge in getting us going. Amen. No wonder when when Peter was going in at the gate, which is called beautiful in Acts chapter 3, there was a man there that said, alms, alms. And you know the famous line, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible said, and Peter reached down and got him by the hand and lifted him up. It wasn't enough just to say, in the name of Jesus. He went further and reached down and got him by the hand and pulled him up. He must have known he'll never get going till I get him on his feet. Did you know God knows that about us too? That we'll never get going till he gets us to take a stand. Amen. He's got to get us up in order to get us us going. Well, you know the story how the children of Israel wound up down there in Egypt, and Joseph was the minister and ministered salvation to his, his people. But the Bible said Joseph died. But before he died, he said, when our day comes, when deliverance comes, when the promise arrives, when the blessing of God comes faithfully true, then don't forget me. In fact, don't even bury me. Put my ashes in a urn, and when you leave, said, be sure and get my bones and take my bones back to the promised land. Wow. It may have dried up, and God had to get them moving to go somewhere, but when time came to... Have his druthers, as we say. He said, I'm going back home. I want you to take me home. This is not my home. Egypt is not my home. My home is in the land of Canaan. My home is in the land of promise. My home is where God put me to begin with. Isn't that great? Take my old dry chalky bones with you when you go back. And Moses was such a great leader. We know about the call of Moses and the burning bush. We know about the promise God said I will go with you I will stand by you I will strengthen you whatever you need I will supply every need that you have and Moses tried everything in the book to get out of that he finally even said well you know I stutter when I talk and I'm not a very good orator and God said Aaron can talk for you I, I love it when God's got these quick remedies for something I thought out a long time It only takes him a moment to just solve my problem that I've dealt with a long time. He said, I can't speak. I can't get up in front of people. And God said, yes, you can. I'll send Aaron along with you. If you need somebody to talk, he'll talk. I need a leader. I need somebody that'll stand out front and say this way, this way. And Moses became the lawgiver. He became the great priest. Amen. Not only was he a great prophet, he was a great priest because he was the one that went to God for the people. And God, God blessed Moses. Moses was the one that smoked the rock and out came the water. Moses was the one that stretched out his rod. And the Bible said and the waters of the Red Sea rolled back and stacked up all the way back to the city of Adam. Did you know Adam had a city? Those waters backed up, Brother Charlie, all the way back to Adam. What God was saying was my deliverance is not just for one time. My deliverance is for all time. For everybody who has lived since I created Adam. Everybody that's walked on this earth that's ever had a problem since Adam. Everybody on this earth that's ever had a challenge or a difficulty or a hardship ever since Adam. All the way up to this present time, he rolled the water back for everybody. Everybody. But not only did that water flow north back toward the Mediterranean, it flowed south as well and stacked up and went that way. What was God saying with that, pastor? He was saying for everybody that lives after this miracle, I want them to know I'll be a deliverer for them too. Not just from Adam to here, but from here to eternity. Whatever you're going through and whatever you're dealing with and whatever your your problem, your trouble, your difficulty is, he's saying, I will be there for you too. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. What a very, very tragic, sad, and grief-stricken word that is. If you could have only known how much they depended upon Moses... Moses was the one that prayed for him. The miracles all came because of Moses. All the blessings, even that episode of the snakes. You remember the case of the snakes? In numbers when the Bible said they spoke against Moses and Miriam and Aaron led in the opposition to deport Moses, replace him as leader. Wow. And the Bible said, and God was so furious about it. Numbers chapter 20. God was so furious about it that he sent snakes, fiery snakes, among the people. And they bit the people and many of them died. You mean God feels that strongly? Yes, he does. And the people... Arms swollen from snake bites, ankles swollen from snake bites, went to Moses and said, Moses, please go to God for us. Please, we were wrong. You can touch God. We need you to go to God for us. And the Bible called Moses the meekest man of the earth. And he went to God for the people. One time when he went to God for the people, God said to Moses, get out of my way, Moses. I'm going to destroy them. I regret the day I ever made them. Boy, that's strong words from the mouth of God, isn't it? God said, they will always be rebellious. They will always be idolatrous. They will always go astray and apart from me. And Moses said, God, if you're going to kill them, then here I am, you've got to kill me first. Boy, what a pastor. What a shepherd that would lay down his life for the sheep. You see, the real idea was there, Moses, I'll start all over with you. Adam couldn't do it, and we messed up with Adam, so I'm ready to start all over. Let me destroy all of them. And I'll start over with, instead of Adam, with you. Boy, that was quite a place of prominence, wasn't it? And Moses said, no, I'm not Adam. And said, I have a feeling for those people. And he said, Lord, if you're going to destroy your people, then I'll be the first one in the land. And the Bible said, and God repented. What? God repented. The Bible said that God repented that He would do that to His people. Boy, God bless Moses. Thank you, Moses. Boy, there ought to be a billboard on every road. Every street ought to be named Moses Boulevard, Moses Street, Moses Avenue. Every city in America ought to be Moses USA. Every capital city in every state ought to be Moses Georgia. Moses, Florida. Moses, South Carolina. If he saved everybody in one time, then my Lord, we owe it all to him. That's why the Bible said when he comes, Jesus will be a prophet like Moses. What God was saying to us is here's how a prophet really works. Here's how people that really love you, who are my mouthpiece among you. This is how that really works. The man that speaks my word, the man that bears my truth, the ones that herald from the lecture stands and Sunday school classes and and pulpits across America in seminaries, teaching young pastors and young preachers to preach. We owe all of that to God working through Moses to begin with. And Jesus will be a prophet like Moses. In so much that what did he do? He gave his life. Moses said, take my life. I'm right here on the altar. If you're going to kill everybody that you're displeased with, then here, here I am. And that's what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. At Calvary's cross, Jesus said, put the sin of them on me jesus said jesus said i'll take the rap for all of them what they deserve i will bear what they owe i will pay wow somebody ought to be in the aisle what they owe i will pay what they need i will provide and jesus at calvary's cross became our moses hallelujah in that he gave his life and the bible said he shall be a prophet like moses and a priest like who? Thank you, one voice, Melchizedek. Now I'd have to go back in scripture at another time and tell you about Melchizedek and tell you about Salem and his being the king of Salem and that Abraham paid tithes to him. So Jesus now is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. When they p- went to Moses and said said, We perish, we're dying. These serpents have bit us. We need God to intervene. And Moses went to God, and God said this. God said, make a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole and lift it up in the midst of the people, and all who believe, all who believe will be healed of whatever snake bite has been done to them. Whatever poison is in them, it'll come out. Whatever death there is in that, it'll come out. Because Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And one of the, great, the golden texts of the Bible, Linda, is right there in John three sixteen. You know what that's about, those verses previous to that? And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Uh, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Do you realize what that says? That if Jesus can be lifted up, he said, I will draw all people to me. Boy, Cindy, that's a pretty big proposition. All people will be drawn to Him when we lift Him up. That as Moses lifted up that serpent, and then that next verse, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Did you know that brazen serpent became so prominent in temple worship that the Bible said eventually they put it in the temple and worshipped it? You know, when you get to a, a place that you worship something God did one time and you refuse to turn loose of it, you keep carrying it around with you? In fact, they carried that snake, that brazen serpent, around with them for over 1,200 years. Wow. There were people that had charge of taking care of the snake when they moved. When they was wandering all over that wilderness all those years, 40 years for one generation, Brother Don, the Bible said they had that snake with them then. And every time they'd break camp, they'd somebody be charged to get the the snake and let's, let's make sure the snake goes with us. Could not turn loose of something that happened in the past just because God used it one time. He didn't say from now on do this. He didn't say put it over in the temple. Don't make an icon out of it and don't make it an object of worship. God never wanted them to worship that snake, he was just holding it up, said this is a point of contact for your faith to make contact. But when there was a king who came in with revival on his mind, Jehoshaphat. And brother of the Bible said he tore down the high places. Tore down the high. What are those high places? Those high places are, are places where they went to worship for convenience. They were so far away out in in the Galilee region, they had to travel about 50 or 60 miles to Jerusalem in order to get to the temple to worship. But they said, we'll just make our own place and we'll put our altars on some of these high hills around here so we don't have to make that trip. In other words, they invented a religion of convenience. You see, there is a religion of convenience nowadays available. They preach a social gospel. They preach glorifying the individual. They write books about being a better you. And it's a simple gospel. It's very simple. No challenge to it. No confrontation. No commitment. It's just good to be here. Well, I want to tell you something. I refuse to have a religion that costs me nothing. As long as a blessed Lord Jesus, who shed His blood for me and died at Calvary's cross, as long as that Lord Jesus is alive and in our midst and in our hearts and in our church, then we'll be challenged. The last day we're here on this earth will still be challenged because the challenge goes out to us all. Whosoever will let him come, whosoever will drink of the water that I shall give him, he will never thirst again. That challenge of the Lord Jesus is as strong today as it ever has been and it always will be. Some this morning cannot rejoice in the Lord for there are too many reminders of the past too many failures too many defeats too many losses too much pain too much sorrow that it's hard to go on it's hard to take up and go it's hard to get going for god and some are just stuck in that one situation and can never get past it can't go on and he god had to say to him moses my servant is dead. My servant is dead. Arise and go forward. Cross over this Jordan and let's get going. And the first thing that happened, come on, Olivia, and help me quit. First thing that happened when they got to where God was leading them, they ran into a little city called Jericho. Jericho did you know the oldest city in the world is Jericho it's been destroyed over 12 times you've seen those ruins haven't you done and it's layer upon layer upon layer upon labor and you got to dig down far enough under the layers till you get down to the level where Jesus lived They've rebuilt it so many times it's stacked up on top of one another. Did you know that Jericho is the lowest place on the planet? Wow. The lowest city is the oldest city. Lower than any other city below sea level. In those days when Joshua encountered Jericho, it was the first opposition they met after the miracle at the Red Sea. You see, the longest day that you live, you're going to be fighting battles. Life is just like that. The longest day you live, there's going to be a challenge. The longest day that you live, there's going to be a a stressful thing that you're going to have to make your way through. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me But that doesn't mean that they are just going to go away. No weapon that the enemy shall fashion against me will prosper. Now, he didn't say that the devil won't make the weapon. He didn't say that there won't be opportunities of difficulty and hardship, trials and temptation. He didn't say that. that 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 won't happen what he said was that no weapon will prosper he didn't say there wouldn't be a weapon he said it won't prosper many are the afflictions of the righteous but they won't prosper many are the hurts and the sorrows of the righteous but it won't prosper Many are the diseases and pandemics, but it won't prosper. Great God. I feel God saying to somebody this morning, so why don't you get up and get going? Why don't you get up and get going? Well, we would think that the way we're going to do this is we're going to get in here with this city, and we're just going to, going to go in and tear everything down. We're going to take that thing over. We're going to take that city. It's going to become ours. God's given it to us, and we're just going to take it. That's big talk. But how many of you know that God's way is not your way? And God's time is not your time? Because our idea of taking that city is the prevailing thing of the day. Go in there with horses and chariots and bust through the gate and, and uh, slay with a sword and defeat those people and take it. But God said, no, we're going to do some walking. Walking? Yep, we're going to walk. I want you to march around that thing every day for seven days. God just put in my heart then Tell somebody that this may be their seventh time around today. Wouldn't it be good if this is your seventh round trip? Wouldn't it be something if this is the seventh time around for you and the next thing that happens is the walls come tumbling down? Wouldn't that be something? My Lord, these people were circling Jericho Going around one time and going around another time and going around. They were used to going around in circles. Now, don't get it wrong. Forty years, they went around in circles in the wilderness. Why? Because God led them to a place at Kadesh Barnea and said, go in. And they said, no, there's giants in that land. We're like grasshoppers compared to those giants in that land. We don't have a chance against those people. They're they're warlike. They're fierce. They're well-trained, and they're not afraid of anything. We can't take that place. Ten spies came back with gloom and despair. We can't, we can't, we can't. Two of them come back, you know who it was? The star of our story, Joshua. Who was the other one? That old man, Caleb. You know how old he was when they got through water? 87. And you know what he did? He went down and said to Joshua, give me that mountain over there. Everybody had made their pick and their choice and chose the well-watered plains and... This 87-year-old man looks up and says, Hey, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. Oh, I love that, don't you? That's seeing further than most people see. That's trusting beyond what most people trust. That's believing God for more than most people believe Him for. Give me that mountain. I wish we had some folks around Harvest today that say, Lord, give me this mountain. Lord, give me this mountain, this this mountain that we're dealing with right now, this pandemic, these payments on this church, all the things that we, we struggle with. God, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. God, you're able to make those walls come tumbling down. Brian, not long ago, was in New York City doing some television work for the church at Times Square. Did you know there is a church... On Times Square. Didn't know that? Well, you know it now. A Bible-believing, you know who he is. Rich Wilkerson. He's David Wilkerson's son. It's Cross and Switchblade. Just a few heads are nodding. I'm telling you how old I am now. I guess. If you've never read Cross and Switchblade, you need to read that. About how a Presbyterian minister went to New York City and got among the gangs and built a great church. God may be speaking to somebody today saying, who will go for us? At Times Square Church, Brian was talking with the pastor and he said, I know real estate here is is higher than any church can afford. It's got to be in the millions of millions. He said, surely, how did y'all do this? Brian asked. And Rich Wilkerson told him, he said, I was in a conversation and I was standing there with a city of New York official and said I asked him how much would it be to get this place and that official in New York City looked at me and said you can't afford it he said well tell me how much it is he said at that time when that was going he said that would take $17 And then he looked back and he snidely said, and you can't afford it. And there's another man standing close by who said, yes, he can. Are you kidding me? Sometimes it surprises you where God shows up, doesn't it? Sometimes God shows up in some places where you're not looking for Him. Sometimes God shows up when the battle's on at its worst. Sometimes God shows up when the need is at its greatest. Sometimes God shows up when you need a big miracle, when you need a miracle that's far beyond what most folks hear about. He said, yes, he can. And that man wrote him a check for $17 million to buy that property. And then the man from New York came back and said, well, you'd have to do something about that building. It's an old theater building to begin with, said, "I don't know much you could do with it, said it would cost you probably another 15 million to fix that building where it could be a church, and you ain't got that. And the same man said, "Yes, he does. Yes, he does. You see, when you think God's not listening and when you think God's left you, When you think there's no one standing by you and you think that you're all out on an island all your own, you're in a fiery furnace and you can't find the fourth man. You're in the lion's den and wondering where that angel is. (laughs) You're in uh, Paul and Silas' prison and you're wondering where the Holy Ghost is going to show up. When you've marched around Jericho and marched and marched and marched and you're wondering, are these walls ever going to fall down? Well, I've got news for you today. God, who made heaven and earth, God, who is in charge of all things, knows who you are. He knows what you need. He clothes the lilies of the field, and He feeds the birds of the air. He's a God who is in control of the weather. He knows all about In fact, the Bible said He rides upon the waves. And the Bible said every morning He rolls out the heavens. The Bible said the earth is the Lord's. It's His footstool and the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth. God will show up. When you need God, He will show up. He'll show up. he'll show up Judy if you can get out I want you to walk up here I want to pray for Julie before we leave here Julie needs a miracle I said Julie needs a miracle she was raised in this church grew up here singing if you want to get online see some of the old choir songs she's on a bunch of them but I believe God can touch her Judy and Jonathan too he's got it Woo, wife and husband but he's not in the hospital but she is All-powerful God. All-knowing God. In charge of all things God. We your people. We your people. Your people that you sent your Son to save. Your people that you brought out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Your people who have held Jesus up to this city for so many years, we stand today in Your presence to beseech Your name and approach Your throne. God, there's a jewel of a person that means so much to us that's fighting for her life today. And I know, oh God, that You're a God who heals. You're a God who delivers. You're a God who comes on the scene when a miracle is needed. God, I ask you to go into that Vanderbilt University Hospital. Walk into that room beside that bed. Lord, would you touch Julie right now? God move upon her with healing power. Let the grace of God and the power of the Holy Ghost touch her body right now God. Lord right now begin a healing work in her I pray. Right now oh God let the Holy Spirit just flow through her body. God I pray against that pneumonia. I pray against that congestion. I in Jesus' name, I pray against that fever. And I ask you, oh God, to prove your might and prove your power. Prove your glory. Move, O oh God, upon Julie right now, O oh Heavenly Father. Let the power that heals touch her in Jesus' name. God, touch Jonathan today, O oh God. Move upon him and help him, Lord Jesus. Strengthen his body and heal him, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' righteous name. Amen and amen and amen. Can you say amen? god i pray for this church lord there is a vicious disease on the prowl and i pray god a hedge of protection about our people i pray oh lord that you'd put a circumference around us i pray oh god that you'd by your great hand draw a circle around this church oh god and i pray oh god in the name of jesus that by the stripes upon the back of the Savior, that you would sustain this church and keep this church. Oh, God, preserve this church. Touch all of our people this morning, oh, God, all of those that are recovering and all of those that are right now struggling. I just pray in Jesus' name a healing and a deliverance in Jesus' name. Now, I believe it to be so, God, in Jesus' name. You said no evil shall come nigh thy dwelling. You said in your word that no matter what the devil fires at us with his darts, that we could take the shield of faith and we could quench the fire of the darts god in jesus name i raise the shield of faith this morning in jesus name i lift O oh lord the shield of faith the breastplate of righteousness in jesus name i pray oh god for your protection your care your keeping your love your blessing your anointing touch your people to god Touch them today, God. Touch us in the back of this church. Touch us in the front of this church. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I feel your presence in this place. you, God. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Cast all of your care upon me, because I care for you. I have already done for you what needs to be done. I have already provided what needs to be provided. I have made a way for you. Only be strong and take a stand, saith the Lord. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand still and see my salvation, saith the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For I am not a God who is not touched by the infirmities of my people. I know your needs. I know your heart. I know your condition. And I am here, saith the Lord. I am here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Randy, I believe God. I know in whom I have believed. I'm not telling you about somebody that I don't know. Many times, many times, I've seen God reverse impossible situations. Many times, I have prayed. And many times I have seen God turn things around. He can do it. We know what the doctors say. We know what the tests say. But now we want to know what does God say? What does God say? And my hope my faith lies in what does God say? What does God say? Randy told me, he said, I'm ready to go, Brother Jim. said, if the Lord wants me, I'm ready to go. According to what they say, sooner rather than later. But I know in whom I have believed. And you do too. And you know where you're going. On your way. On your way. Stay or leave, bags are packed. Nothing between my soul and the Savior so that His blessed face may be seen. Shall not my heart from Him ever waver? Nothing between my soul and my Savior. God, I pray for Randy Johnson today, oh Father. Lord, this has been a tough week and we've been hit with terrible news. But Lord, we know that our life is hid with God and Christ. We know, O Lord, that it is Thou that hast made us and not we ourselves. We know, O oh God, that You are the source of our strength. And Lord, no matter what the future holds, we know who holds the future. No matter what, no matter what may come my way, I know, I know my Savior, and I know my Redeemer. And I trust in my God. I'm trusting my God, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would touch Randy Johnson. I pray, God, that you would give him a peace that passes all understanding. I pray that you would give him a grace that brings glory to God, a grace, O Lord, to endure, a grace to walk the walk, a grace to finish the course. I just praise you today for Randy, God, and I ask you to keep your hand upon him in grace. Help them, God, and strengthen them for the days that lie ahead. You're our God in whom we trust, our dwelling place. And I praise you, and I glorify you, and I magnify your name for what you're going to do in Randy Johnson's life. In Jesus' name. Could everybody just give a hand clap of praise to the Lord? You say, Pastor, you're over time today. I don't apologize. Don't apologize. I love to feel what I feel right now. Amen. I love to feel what I feel right now, Marie. You think I'm going to cut this short? I've been praying for this for a long time. I'm not interested in any shortcakes. Amen. Brenda, walk right back there to where Shirley K. is and Ann. Lay your hands on them for me, please. God, in Jesus' name, we lay our hands upon Ann Taylor and Shirley K. Your word says, These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay their hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. Hold on, Messiah. They shall recover. They shall recover. They shall recover. They shall recover. Oh, I feel anointed to tell you that. They shall recover. Thank you, Heavenly Father. And I thank you for what you're going to do in their bodies. Strengthen their bodies, God. Encourage them, O Lord Jesus. Let them have strength, O Lord. Bless them, O God. Touch them, O God. Encourage them and lift their hearts in the strong and mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen. Let's all stand. We're about to dismiss. Time to get going time to get going brother ford we used to sing an old song if i knew of a land where no sorrows ever come i'm not going to sing it till you're ready to go i would sell all i have and move today well i know of a land where joys are waiting where the people live forever and for a twill be one eternal day without a sorrow when i sell all i have and move today <laughs> glory to god hallelujah thank you lord for letting us be in your house today and thank you for the anointing of the holy ghost Thank you for the presence of the healing power of the Lord Jesus. I pray that no one leaves this building today, O Lord, sick or infirm. I pray that you'll touch everyone here. Touch everyone here. Touch everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.